Hi, everybody. Welcome to Vox Tablet. I'm Sarah Ivry. Today, the life of Serge Gainsbourg. When I told a coworker there was a movie coming out about the legendary French singer Serge Gainsbourg, my young colleague declared with a lot of enthusiasm, Gainsbourg is the envy of Jewish boys everywhere. It was Gainsbourg, after all, who romanced the likes of Bridget Bardot and Jane Birkin. And in so doing, he came to represent the epitome of French cool. It helped quite a lot, though, that Gainsbourg was, above all, a very unique songwriter. He was really an iconic figure, and he was Jewish. That fact, his Jewishness, looms large in a new film based on Serge Gainsbourg. The movie's called Gainsbourg, A Heroic Life, and it was written and directed by Joan Sfar. Joan Sfar is a French comic artist and writer. He's got several books out, including The Rabbi's Cat, and we're very excited to speak with Joan Sfar about his new film and his love of Serge Gainsbourg. Joan, welcome to Box Tablet. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> now, you were a kid in the 70s and 80s, and Gainsbourg was still alive. He was still on the scene. He was still making music. What did he mean to you growing up in France? Well, basically, he, he was maybe the only funny person on French TV when I was a kid. Uh, it would be a mix between uh, Dean Martin and Johnny Rotten. And uh, I come from a very Jewish, observant and boring family. And seeing a Jewish man uh, being in love with Brigitte Bardot and Jane Birkin was a kind of way to say, OK, Jewish people can do it. And, uh, and it helped me tremendously feel like I want to be a grown up. His life looks so cool, like he's always getting drunk and making dirty jokes. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, he's a, a talented musician at the same time. But it's a kind of icon for, for my generation, I guess. You weren't alone in your fascination, though. French people who weren't Jewish also uh, lionize him and love him. Can you explain to us a little bit the fascination of Gainsbourg generally in France? Yes, um, it's very simple. It was the only guy who spoke about sex all the time on TV. And, and uh, I guess we, we were such frustrated young people, and it was so funny. And he acted as if he was that kind of old-fashioned uh, Don you would find in like uh, the Mad Men TV serial. But uh, he was so much more than that because the guy was fragile, he was extremely moving, and he had uh, childish behavior. So it was very easy to, to fall in love with that guy. Tell us a little bit about his background. Uh, well, the, the, I, I've been big on the, the Jewish story on, on Gainsbourg because uh, it's very peculiar. I come from an observant family and he did not. He comes from a Russian family who didn't give a damn about religion and maybe he was not even aware about being a Jew until the, the day French police call him when he's like 10 years old and gives him a yellow star. And so it's the strange story of a boy who became a Jew because of French police. And, uh, and this is a, a true story. He wanted to be the first one to get his star. And it, this is so much him. And uh, the guy from the police say, but are you in such a hurry to get your star? And he said, but sir, this is not mine. This is yours. You want me to bear it. And this, this would be his whole story about France. He, he wants to be loved by that country. And he's, uh, he's eager to do any provocative stuff for the country to take care of him. So this would be uh, really punk before punk people, but it's about that. 
and I'm quite sure when he falls in love with Brigitte Bardot, it's also a symbol. The first thing he does after falling in love with her is writing a letter to his father and saying, I am with Brigitte Bardot. And this would be, you know, my grandfather came from, from Ukraine. He came from near Lvov. And he told me, you know, anti-Semitism stop when you enter a hotel room. And, uh, and this way of being loved, I think it's common among many uh, immigrant people. They, they are seeking love for, from uh, an intimacy when they don't give, get it from the crowd. And uh, this relationship is very uh, appealing to me, the way he always was in a confusion between public life and intimate life. And it's the best way to be, to be sad, I guess. But uh, he, he was a sad person in the, in the Russian way, like never depressed, always either crying or laughing, but never in depression. No, but it does seem definitely that he uh, embraced a kind of melancholy. Definitely, in a Russian way. I mean, n never sleeping, always running or getting drunk or making problems. Or And uh, in the way children do, I mean, compared to other movie heroes, he's strictly unable to learn anything. So in the movie, you will see him get old, but you will never see him learn anything or change or say, oh, this experience has taught me. You know, like in some movie, the movie is like uh, here to heal you, but he's not asking anybody to heal himself. He's about uh, the meaningless of life and, and he's trying to enjoy it anyway and uh, and in this way he may have something about a, a, a romantic Russian guy. Getting back to his desire though to be loved, it did strike me watching the movie that none of the women, none of his lovers were actually Jewish. Was that, do you think, a conscious choice he, that he had no Jewish intimates? I, I don't think it, it was his first interest. He wanted to be loved by France and he, he wanted to have uh, symbols of something ex extremely French and extremely elegant. It's something you, you can see in some Russian Jewish family and I have to say my grandmother was like that. She's been a resistant during whole World War II but she, she she was not fond of Jewish people. She was like, she, she did not realize how terrible it was in World War II. She was fighting and she said, oh, people will get cold, they're so silly. <laughs> it's like it's like it was a rat race, and and she thought it was about being smart or being silly. So so then, in a way, Gainsbourg's love story are about um, ethnical promotion. In his perception, I feel he was so happy to be with Jane Birkin, who was of a high British extraction, and his last love, Bamboo, is just the the little daughter of uh, German General von Paulus, who used to be a Nazi, and he was so happy about that. He say, "Oh, this is wonderful! Look what I, who I'm dating," and, um, and and it makes the character very funny in my perception. Mm -hmm. And he lo he loved the Lubavitch movement. You know what? What about Gainsbourg? He, he was always on alcohol and so on, and and. At some moment, the Lubavitch guy arrived in the restaurant and put him the tzitzis and the, and the kippah, and then he burst out crying, and he finds it so moving, and, and then he goes back to drinking. And <laughs> that's who he was. You do pay a lot of attention in the movie to his Jewishness, and he feels a kind of, uh, in your telling, Gainsbourg feels a kind of self-repulsion, and he equates Jewishness with ugliness. What made you decide to... Uh, to create that kind of psychosis almost in Gainsbourg? Oh, I created nothing. I just used his interview for writing the movie. And when he was a kid and he discovered the anti-Semitic drawing on the street, he, he didn't know what a Jew was. So if it was explained on the wall and he was nine years old, he said, OK, this is about me. And there are interviews about his friend from school, one nice Catholic boy, and who say, 
oh, poor Lucien, because well, he was Lucien. Poor Lucien, he looked exactly like the caricature. And, you know, even after World War II, when he did his first records in the 60s, French newspaper used to say he looked like a monkey or he looked like a rat or anything. And uh, as a cartoonist, I pay a lot of attention to stereotypes. You know, my goal is not to show the audience that Jewish people have small noses. I just try to, to, to figure out what can I do with a stereotype? What, what, what meaning st meaningful stuff can I do with that? And, um, and for this guy, it's as if the hero of an American in Paris or any classical love French story would have been a, a, a Jewish guy with a lot of complex, and, and it's the kind of character I love to be, to be with. Can you tell listeners who haven't yet seen the movie, uh, how did you sort of represent that uh, subconscious or that psychosis of his? Yeah, the, uh, there is a puppet. There is a puppet during the whole movie, uh, which is uh, more a pleasure to be shot than a symbol. It's I wanted a puppet in my movie because I, ha I have a passion for this. And uh, it's not like the devil. It's mo more like uh, his D-book. It's the creature that push him to do things. So sometimes it's bad thing and sometimes it's good thing, but it's always pushing him. And uh, it's the whole crew from Guillermo del Toro, uh, Duke Jones as a performer, and the DDT crew from Barcelona who made the prosthetics and, uh, and the animatronic uh, character. And it was wonderful to, to have my main comedian, who is extremely uh, nouvelle vague and very French, play with a puppet, which is completely as if it come from a black theater from Prague or something like that. And, uh, and th so there was a little bit of, uh, of Murnau tribute in that movie. There's a lot of vampire movie in the way the movie is shot. Yeah, it's also a little bit slapstick with him, although in a rather macabre way. Yeah, what, what Duke Jones was, I guess, grateful of is he told me, you help me show creatures are, are not only here for frightened people. They can bring jokes, they can dance, they can play the piano. So there's a part of Muppet Show maybe in the story. In the movie, you allude to Gainsbourg's time during World War II very poetically. You show him as a child hiding out in the forest alone. He's drawing. He has an active fantasy life. But he doesn't seem especially scared or traumatized by it. Then there's this scene later after the war. He's asked to teach a music class to a group of children who obviously went through a much harder experience during the war and saw a lot uh, worse things than Gainsbourg saw. And he really is uh, ambivalent and skittish about doing it. Describe what happens in that scene and where the idea for that scene came from. Well, all the ideas came from his testimony. So the, the history is true. Just after World War II, he needed money and he was a young adult and um, he became the musical teacher for a school of kids whom parents never came back from Auschwitz. So there were Russian Jews who speak barely French and who have no parents. And he was not interested into that. He went there just for money. But the truth is, when you feel you have wounds and you meet, you meet small people who have even bigger wounds, uh, you find something in you that can help. And I find tricky that it's especially his puppet, his devil, that pushes him into performing in front of the kids. And uh, there's a, a scene whom I like in the movie because uh, the guys start to dance and it's not about music anymore. It's about uh, having those children smiling and laughing. And, and it's the beginning of his relationship to the audience, I guess. And his dance becomes kind of furious. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I love in uh, Italian actors. And then Eric Elmosino, who's French, can do this also, is forgetting about being beautiful and start to be tragicomic or funny or whatever. Now, you've said of the Gainsbourg that you portray in this film that, quote, there is no one more Christ-like, nor Jewish, nor Russian than Gainsbourg. 
that's a pretty heavy combination. But what I wonder is, what about his Frenchness? Oh, uh, he, 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 this is something his father revered, like classical music and French culture and so on. And the, the fact is, most French people don't even remember he was a Jew. He, he must be the most famous French singer for, for French people, and, and he's still uh, terribly loved. People love him in every... He managed to be more than mainstream. He managed to say so many rude things that, that in every pub there is always a drunk who sings a song of Serge Gainsbourg. So... I, I cannot feel of any singer to be more French than him. Well, so if the French have largely forgotten that he's Jewish, how, do, how have they responded to your film? Yeah, it was wonderful. The, the, the movie made more than one million viewers in France, and uh, I didn't manage to shock anybody with that movie. It was extremely mainstream, and family and kids went to see the movie, which was also I was happy, and it was an embarrassment, because my, my dream would be to shock someone. And, and, uh, <laughs> and the truth is, the guy has become an, a national icon, and whatever st silly stuff he made, people find it wonderful. The fact of playing with the national anthem and having this old Jewish guy and uh, black musician uh, putting reggae on the Marseillaise, all French people find it wonderful and, and they claim the Marseillaise never to have been as beautiful. another film that came out in France recently. It's an adaptation of your comic book series, The Rabbi's Cat. And for readers who don't know what that series is about, it follows the adventures of a sometimes talking, very mischievous cat whose master is an Algerian rabbi in the 1920s. The illustrations are incredibly colorful and they're full of energy. And they really grapple a lot with Jewishness. You have tensions between North African Jews and Ethiopian Jews, North African Jews and Ashkenazi Jews, with the tensions of being Jewish in an Arab country, with the strictures of being Orthodox in general. How did that project get started? Well, first of all, because this is the story of my family. Those are my father's family. They are Jews from Algeria and uh, and uh, I found it was uh, peculiar to, to tell the story of Jewish people in an Arab country, which is a everyday life for me, but it, it can be surprising from from other countries. And uh, and the movie, the the book and the movie were big, and uh, it's really good news that you can get French audience to get involved into the story of a rabbi from the twenties. It means okay, everything is not lost, and uh, and it, it must be a peaceful response to many tension about the uh, Middle East because it's poisoning also the relationship between Jewish and Arabs in France. And we have a, uh, a very big Muslim community and very big Jewish community in France. And uh, and there have been many issues because of the Middle East. So uh, recalling the ch uh, having the children remember that their family came come from the Maghreb. I, I don't mean it was heaven, but but they have a, a common history. So uh, the, the, I'm a, I'm a friend of Israel. I, I got a big part of my family living in Israel, but I don't wish Israeli politics to ruin my everyday life with my Jewish and Muslim friends in France. And there is nothing like anti-Semitism in France, but there is a, a terrible hatred toward Israel. And uh, I, I do my best to fight against that and then uh, to prevent confusion. 
to, to prevent. Uh, I love Israel, but I'm not an Israeli. My family comes from Algeria, and and uh, and, and I I don't want every time there is a dinner and there is a Jew at the table. Uh, people will ask what he thinks about Middle East. You know, as if I had elected a- any Israeli prime minister, I feel already very guilty for French politician whom I, I vote for, and, and it's enough of a burden. So, so, so it's not easy to be a Jewish person in France, not because of anti-Semitism, because my, my American friends sometimes are quite paranoid about that. It's not that. It's just uh, uh, the picture people get from my Israeli is so fake. And uh, and it's so painful at some moment. Uh, they don't even know there are left-wing people in Israel, you know. And uh, and sometimes I have to confess, uh, some Arab friends can can use this kind of situation to pretend they're victims and so on. And uh, uh, I I never felt fond of uh, people who pretend to be victims. Uh, and it's that's just who I am. The film of the rabbi's cat is animated, but the book series is really uh, at some points quite body and explicit. Is this a film for children? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The only moment there is violence in the movie, it's when uh, people kill themselves with a sword. It's just to teach the children that a sword is, uh, is a dangerous tool and you shouldn't take it out every moment. <laughs> and uh, most of the mo- movie is very tender because uh, the cat is, of course, deeply in love with his mistress, but he's just a cat, so he, ca- he can do a lot of harm. And he's not a Robert Crumb's cat, so he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he has v- very small genitals, actually. And uh, his only concern is he wish he could be circumcised. It's for him and uh, no one uh, wishes to do that and uh, and then he kind of wonder if he's a Jew and people say but y- your masters are Jews so you're a Jewish cat but and so uh, no he's more more into pill pool than into pornography so I guess uh, children <laughs> can see maybe they will find it boring but they, they can see the show let's get back to Gainsbourg for a moment you were enamored of him from a very young age as you said and in fact you moved to Paris in order to meet him but he died a month after you got there. Had no, he died three months before I moved to Paris. I'm a, I'm a complete loser. and <laughs> the, the, my, my, um, This is one of the multiple reasons for which my life is a failure. Well, had you had the opportunity to meet him then, let me ask you, what would you have wanted to talk to him about or do with him? I got no clue. I got no clue. You know, you know uh, if you, uh, in Plato's text, there is this young handsome boy who, who wants to sleep with Socrates and, and um, Socrates say you know I may be in you but my wisdom will not be in you afterwards and I don't know why young people are, want old masters this way but you feel if you get close to them some part of their art or wisdom will, will, will fill you in a way uh, I don't know I, it was the guy I loved. I wanted to meet him, and uh, it never occurred. And, and then uh, when I made the movie, Serge Gainsbourg's agent told me, you know, I know exactly what Serge would have said about your movie. I said, okay. I said, if it is a success, he would have loved you, and if it was a fumble, you would not have been able to get him on the phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Svar, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joan Sfar is an artist, writer, and now director. He lives in Paris. His debut film is Gainsbourg, A Heroic Life. It's out this month. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivory. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week.